Today's episode is proudly sponsored by Aquaphoenix Scientific. Folks, I know what you're thinking. You already have a supplier for all of your test kit needs, and why would you switch? And let's face it, that is a fair question. Everybody's phenol failing is going to turn pink at 8.3, even Aquaphoenix's. But here is the deal, and I can personally attest to this. I've been working with Aquaphoenix Scientific for years, and I can tell you they are the experts for everything we need to be test experts out in the field. They can provide you with every product that you will need in your test kit by just calling them. That's right, one phone number, one purchase order, one stop, and you can get everything that you need for your test kits. Take it from me and give Aquaphoenix a call today so you don't have to make all those other calls outfitting your test kit. Visit them online by going to scalinguph2o.com forward slash APS. Welcome to Scaling Up, the podcast where we scale up our knowledge so we don't scale up our systems. I'm Trace Blackmore, the host of the Scaling Up H2O podcast. And Nation, I just cannot wait to tell you this story. Of course, one of the things that I love to do most is teach our incredible profession as one of the trainers for the Association of Water Technologies Technical Training. Well, one of the things I love most besides teaching at that venue is just meeting new people and hearing stories and especially what do you guys do with this podcast and does anybody really listen to this podcast after it leaves my office here in Atlanta, Georgia? And I'm just so inspired when I hear stories that you guys did something about something that we talked about. And I want to share a story with you to inspire you to maybe do the same thing. But this one individual came up to me and they were almost in tears. And by the end of the story, they actually were in tears. They were telling me that they finally understood their son. Of course, I was talking to the father, the mother. I can't remember what she did, but she was not at the technical training seminar. These parents were having a difficult time with their son. They just didn't feel that they were getting through to him and they didn't understand him and they didn't know where to go. Well, they heard me talk about on this podcast, the I said this, you heard that assessment that Kathleen Edelman did. And of course, we've had Kathleen Edelman on the show twice. That was episode 117. And then we had her come back for a part two on episode 179. And I, throughout uh, different episodes of the podcast, have been talking about all the ways that I've been able to use temperaments, which is really what I said this, you heard that is. It's a temperament study. And they really connected with that. And they decided, what did they have to lose? So they bought the workbook, they went through the workbook, and they almost instantly saw where they were using words that did not connect with their son. They were able to identify which temperament their son was. They were able to identify which temperament they were. 
And together, they were able to use the workbook to come up with language that they could all use. And it's not perfect now, but they are communicating better. They're able to have better conversations with their son. Their son's able to have better conversations with them, and they feel like they're connecting Now, the truth is they're probably not really saying anything different. They're just using different words to say it. Thank you so much for sharing that story with me. That means so much to me. And I've got a lot of stories that are just like that from my own experience. My wife and I have always had a great relationship, but it wasn't until we started studying about each other's temperament that we were able to give each other the correct words so we didn't misunderstand each other. And I know if you're married, you have had misunderstandings. Well, that's what I said, but that's not what she heard or vice versa. Folks, this gives you a lens around all of that. So if you have not listened to episode 117 or episode 179, I think you need to go back and listen to those. I just spoke about Kathleen not too terribly long ago, and it was that message that urged this family to listen to those episodes and buy the workbook. Folks, I cannot tell you how this will change every relationship in your life. Again, the workbook is called I Said This, You Heard That. And you can get the workbook by going to an affiliate link that we have set up. And I did that just to make it as easy as possible for you to get this workbook. Yes, it's an affiliate link, which means Amazon gives us a very small commission for sending you there, but it's not going to cost you anything extra. It's just going to make sure you get to the right site very quickly. Scalinguph2o.com forward slash temperament. It will take you right to that Amazon page. You can order it. Maybe you order a couple copies and your entire family go through it. Maybe you order several copies and your entire team goes through it. Now, we talked about I Said This, You Heard That in the Rising Tide Mastermind fourth quarter last year. And just the stories that have come out of the mastermind where people have been using it with their families and their teams have just been amazing. This is a tool about communication. So you're probably thinking, I've done Myers-Briggs, I've done DISC, I've done Enneagram, and that's great. I think those things are all wonderful programs, but the thing that I said this, you heard that does, is it allows you to understand yourself. In addition, it allows you to understand other people, and here's the big difference. It allows you to understand yourself enough so you can give other people what they need, and there's specific language that each one of the temperaments need. So you're not changing what you're saying, you're just changing some of the words that you're using to say them, and you are now able to get your message across more clearly, a lot less gray. So listen to those two episodes. Again, 117, 179, you'll hear about all the four temperaments. You'll even hear about the four needs that each one of the four temperaments have. And when you learn to master yourself, you're then able to give others what they need. And it is just amazing what that will do for relationships. 
All of this to say thank you so much for that individual sharing that story with me. I will in turn share that with Kathleen that wrote the study. And Nation, I can't say enough good things about it. If you have not done some work and I said this, you heard that, please look into doing that because it will help every relationship that you have. And that's what this podcast is all about. It's all about relationships. It's all about community. We're all part of the Scaling Up Nation. We understand all the trials and tribulations that each of us has to go in and out of each and every day. And we know that we are not alone. We have a huge Scaling Up Nation that understands all the things that we are dealing with. And what I ask is that you find ways to attend where other Scaling Up Nation members are. That's why I am always going to give you some ideas of where you can go to experience more of the particular water treatment that you may practice. Just like I had that conversation in a community of like water treaters at the Association of Water Technologies, here are a couple more. So the American Chemical Society is having their exposition in San Diego, California. That's going to be March 20th through 24th. And then the 17th Annual International Water Association EDGE Conference on Water and Wastewater Technology. That is going to be in Reno, Nevada, March 27th through April 2nd. And then speaking of the AWT, the Association of Water Technologies is having their annual convention and expo in Vancouver, Canada. That's going to be September 21st through 24th. Why am I telling you this now when I was telling you earlier dates and this one's all the way out in September? Well, I know the majority of our listeners are in the United States and I also know the majority of the people probably haven't traveled in a while and your passports may not be valid or they might be close to expiring. It's taking a minimum of six months to get passports renewed. So if you plan on going to this convention, Go ahead and renew your passport if it is expired. And if you are going to return back into the country and your passport expires within a six-month period, it is not considered valid. So you also need to update your passport. Nation, if you go to our show notes page, we'll have a link that takes you directly to how to update your passport if you are here in the United States. So we're trying to do some of that work for you. That link will be on the show notes page. And of course, all of the events that I mentioned, those also will be on our show notes page. Want to keep you in the know so you know your one-stop shop for everything we always talk about on this show will be at scalinguph2o.com. Well, Nation, my interview today, I know you are going to love. I met this individual a couple of years ago and have really enjoyed getting to know him better. And I'm really impressed at all the things that he does and how he tries to solve some of the issues that us water treaters have. Here's that interview. My lab partner today is Landon Marks of Fluid Maintenance Solutions. Landon, how are you? Hi, I'm doing fantastic. Thank you, Trace. Glad to have you on the Scaling Up H2O podcast. Before we get started, do you mind telling the Scaling Up Nation a bit about yourself? I grew up in Northwest Oklahoma, 
and graduated from Oklahoma State University back in 2011. Was going to be a school teacher, actually, and I changed courses and chose to be uh, in sales instead. I'm not going to lie, probably the best decision I've ever made, <laughs> but, but I was going to be a baseball, basketball coach, and that's where my heart was instead of, instead of teaching school. But, um, you know, I've been in, uh, been in sales for the past decade and worked for in, in different industries uh, such as metalworking and food processing, water industry now, of course, uh, for the past four years. That's where I've been. But then I started my company, Fluid Maintenance Solutions, and, you know what, haven't looked back since. You know, I was thinking where you and I met when I was getting ready for this interview, and I'm pretty sure it was at that AWT event that I moderated where you were one of the panelists on the discussion of young professionals. Yeah, that's absolutely right. That was a great panel, by the way. I would love to get to do that again. That was fantastic. Well, for those of the Scaling Up Nation that didn't see that, what were you guys talking about on that panel? So really, it was just a panel of young professionals in the water industry that business owners could bounce questions off of, of, you know, how can they attract a younger generation of water treaters to the water industry? Landon, I've got to ask you, so you just let the Scaling Up Nation know that you you wanted to be a basketball coach. Now you're in the industrial water treatment industry. What the heck happened so that came to be? Okay, so I know that's kind of switch, isn't it? You know what? Hats off to teachers. My heart was in coaching baseball and basketball, but not so much in teaching school. And you know what? I didn't, I didn't feel like I was going to wake up one day. And all of a sudden, like kids and parents would all of a sudden respect teachers like they should. Or, you know, it's, it's in Oklahoma, you don't make a whole lot teaching school. And uh, it's, just, it's just a matter of like career choice of, of what I thought would be best for me. And one thing led to another and I met the right people and the sales journey brought me here. Well, let's talk about here. What is your day to day like? Sure. My day to day, I tell you what, I wear all the hats, as you can imagine. You know, I do everything from sales calls, quoting, um, processing orders, inventory. Let's not forget accounting. That's important. You know, it, it's a usually a pretty full day. Owning your own business, as you know, can be absolutely terrifying, but I love it. I wouldn't change it. It's an absolute adventure and has completely taught me a new definition of perseverance and grit. That's for sure. Especially through, I mean, I, I've started this company two weeks before COVID happened in 2020. So I probably couldn't have picked a worse time to start this business. So to put that in perspective, I'm still standing. I'm still here. Yeah. If only we had that crystal ball, right? But maybe that was the time that it was meant to be. Maybe so. I mean, I'm not going to question it because I'm still here doing it. The hardest thing in owning a business is starting the business. Most people don't take that first step. What was that first step like for you? I started the company because I found a niche market. Dip slides, of course, are in the water industry, used a ton. Where my background was, was in the metalworking industry. Any, so metalworking industry being anything that cuts metal, milling and things like that. I realized that the uh, machining industry needed a simple way to check their machining coolant for bacteria. When I found out, I'm going back to 
when I've discovered that not many people, if all, are are marketing this product to the machining industry, if I came out of my seat and I was like, holy cow, this is this is a market that needs this product. So that's that's where I started FMS. Well, you're talking about dip slides. So I want to ask you, episode 214 was almost a throwback to an earlier episode that I did. I remember I was trying to figure out what I was going to talk about. And I saw a corrosion coupon that somebody did not love that sent to me to analyze. And it had just gone through the most pathetic life and just somebody didn't respect it. They didn't understand it. And I looked at it and I said, you know what? I'm going to tell your story. And I did a whole show from the corrosion coupons perspective. And I decided to do that again on episode 214 with the dip slide. I know you've listened to that episode. So what did I get right? You got a lot of stuff right, Trace. Actually, it took like all of my talking points I could possibly talk about for an hour about dip slides. You nailed almost all of them. So (laughs) I tell you what, the episode was good. I mean, you explained it. Very basic product, right? Dip slides are fantastic when they work. When they don't work, or such, such as we go, we can get into um, you know the things that go wrong with them later if you like. Your your episode explained very well what dip slides do, why they're used, and kind of the do's and don'ts of what you are supposed to do with them, what they actually test for, what they don't test for. Uh, you mentioned storage. Excuse me, what they'll actually pick up. You know the the planktonic bacteria that's in the, the that's in a cooling tower. I thought the episode was fantastic. You did a good job. Well, by the way, storage. You were the one that fussed at me because I was keeping them in the refrigerator. <laughs> you said no, you can't do that. You know what? I actually was curious when I listened to that if that was if you got that from me or not. I was like, surely I'm not the first person to tell him that. I figured it was a good spot to keep them. It was going to make sure that nothing grew on them. And you're like, no, that's the worst place ever to keep them. I'm not going to say it's the worst, you know, I mean, you could put them in the back of a UPS truck in 120 degree heat for a week, but, <laughs> but, uh, guys, if you're listening to this, don't put your dip slides in the fridge. I write on the front of every box that I put out there. The manufacturer suggests it's 68 to 75 degrees. You don't have to keep them in a dark place either. Like in the, in a dark closet, you don't have to do that. As long as they're not sitting directly in sunlight, that everything else is completely fine. You know, room temperature. Lenny, you mentioned from the episode we just talked about that when dip slides are working, birds are singing, there's rainbows, everybody's happy. But then there's an occasion where things don't go as planned. Something's happened to the dip slide. What are some of the things that can happen that's just going to ruin all of our day? And then what do we do about it? That's a great question. Everybody that's used dip slides has opened up a box and they've fallen apart or there's growth on them, something of that nature. They've already started to grow bacteria in some way. When the dip slides are sliding off the medias, something has gone wrong in the adhesive that's on them. Of course, I'm sure you, people have inquired about this, like, oh, well, you know, what happened? Why did it happen? Guys, if these things get too hot, that can just easily happen if the adhesive isn't the right mixture. When things are just recently, there's been an issue of growth. The growth that has been happening here in the last few months with uh, dip slides inside the packaging actually is the cap that's screwed on to the, to the dip slide isn't completely sealed. So when these are shipped, 
the um, the packaging that it's in actually isn't it's not um, sterile, and so air gets inside of the dip slide container, and that has been the result of growth on the dip slides lately. Since then, everything's been fixed, but those that's just kind of some behind the scenes of why there might be growth. Maybe there's something wrong in the clean room during uh, during manufacturing. So what do you do whenever that happens? Well, you certainly don't use it. You can't use those anymore. So when we get a dip slide and it's compromised in whatever reason, we don't use it. And let's say the entire package is that way. And now we're wondering, do we order this same type of dip slide? Is there an alternative that we can use? What should we be doing so we can do all the things we need to do as industrial water traders? Actually, there is an alternative to dip slides. Uh, Recently, I have actually come with a manufacturer to come up with a new product that does the exact same thing a dip slide does. The incubation time is the same. The storage temperature is the same. The boxing is actually better, and they still come 10 in a box. Um, We call these plate counts, TTC malt plate count. And... They don't fall apart. They're very accurate. You could, there's actually multiple ways of taking a test. You can have inoculating loop, uh, a swab. If you, if you're, I mean, even if you, for time's sake, if you really wanted to, you can just dip the whole plate in there uh, in your sample. But what these look like is something that you would see a lady's makeup circle would be, and in the middle is a divider. One side is the bacteria side. The other side is the yeast mold and fungus. You know, we've we've had R&D on these and we put them out for sample out in the industry and people are really enjoying them. They, they, they're they consistent. They work. They're cost effective. Um, a lot of the accounts that I have have switched over to buying those instead of dip slides because unfortunately, dip slides will run for a long time and be pretty consistent on the product quality of them coming from the manufacturer. And then all of a sudden, something happens, right? And then they're falling off or they're growing something for, you know, when, when you get them. So we came up with an alternative for people to use. So Nation, a visual for you, it, uh, almost like a Petri dish looking thing. And it's got the agar on either side. So with everybody having a dip slide a visual in their mind, and now this this other form in their mind, why do the issues happen with one and not the other? So when a dip slide falls off, the dip slide's vertical up and down, right? So it has the opportunity for gravity to do its work and it'll slide off if it's not it, adhered right. And the plates, they don't really have that opportunity to fall apart. The packaging on the plate counts is sterilized. So that the, the interior is everything, everything's fine. So they're not going to grow anything either. You know, inside the box comes a colony density chart that if you compare it to dip size is extremely similar and it comes with directions. It's the, the product might take you five extra seconds to use, but essentially it's the exact same thing, but doesn't fail. I've got to say, Lena, we've been using them for a little bit and I really like how they stack. It's very, it gets a lot more of them in our incubator. We only have one incubator in our lab and you pretty much quadrupled, if not quintupled the space uh, or the amount of product that we can put in there and incubate at the same time. So that's definitely a plus. 
Something you said that I'd love to explore is you said that we don't need to inoculate them with the little Q-tip, the sterile Q-tip that comes with them. So I didn't know this. We could actually just dip them in like we do a regular dip slide? Actually, yes. You know, somebody actually came to me a question like, well, can we just, can we just dip this in your sample? I was like, well, that's a, that's a good question. So I talked to the manufacturer about it. And yeah, if you really want to, y'all, I mean, it's the same thing. You, you can, if your sample size your, or your, if whatever you put your sample in is big enough, we, there's no reason you can't. I didn't even think about how many more you can incubate an incubator. It's huge, and they're they're not as top heavy and unbalanced as uh, as a regular dip slide. So if you're trying to reach around and get a sample, fifteen of them aren't going to fall over during the incubation process. So yeah, there, there's so many things that uh, it, it's solved without anybody knowing that that was a problem. Something I did want to ask you, in addition to to, to the previous question. The dip slide's designed so we can grab it. Uh, we're not interfering with where the agar is. We're dipping it into the media, and then we're immediately putting it back into that tube. So a concern that I have is if we just dipped that round dish, there's a possibility that we might touch something on the edge. What can we do to ensure that we don't contaminate it with just our sampling process? You know, that's, that's a fair and absolutely true question. We're actually we're kind of working on maybe putting a little something on the side of it that you can hold on to, to, to. If you really wanted to dip the whole plate in, then that would, you know, you have something to keep your hands and things out of the way. If that's not the case, you can't do that, then just use the swab. Yeah, we've tried to be pretty deliberate about it. Uh, of course, when you wear gloves and then you take apart the cooling tower with the same gloves, they're probably not that sterile anymore. But we try not to have our fingertips go past where that little lip is or, or where the plastic piece ends. We're trying to be within the body of the side. And then we try to make sure that uh, we hold it down and, and let all the water drip out, that nothing from our fingertips drips back into the sample. I don't know if we're doing that right, but it all made sense to us. No, that's, it sounds like you're, making, you're doing the right precaution. The, the plates work and your process, if you be as careful as you can, of course, it may be just a tad more tedious, but in the end, I think the, the plate counts are a superior product to dip slides. I'm always amazed when I talk to other water treaters and they don't incubate it in an incubator. They put it in their back pocket or they put it in their glove compartment or maybe it's in their drink holder in their car. So I just want to state or have you state for the Scaling Up Nation how important is it to incubate these things at the proper temperature? I'm glad you asked this question because I was going to hit on this as like a drive home point at the end of the podcast if I needed to. So I was doing a, um, oh, a do's and don'ts of dip slides for the special projects committee at AWT in 2019. And one guy in the audience was like, well, I just, I just put mine on top of my fridge. It is consistent, I suppose, more consistent than being in a back pocket. Or, you know, some, some people are like, well, I just put them in the glove box of the car or something like that. Guys, incubate your dip slides. The 48 hours that a dip slide takes to have the growth is based on incubation. For results, for accurate, accurate results for a dip slide, it's about four to five days if you don't incubate it. So what's the temperature of your sample out of a cooling tower? What do you say? 
It's typically, I would say, within the 80s, 90s. Okay. So my question for the Scaling Up Nation here would be, why would you take a sample of where that bacteria is happy, right? We're talking, they're happy in there. You're testing for that bacteria that's, by the way, growing at that cooling tower temperature. Your dip slide's not going to get the bacteria that's not growing. Why would you take a sample, test it with a dip slide, and then not leave that bacteria at the same temperature that it was happy and growing? Take it out of the 90 degree water and then put it, I don't know, on your desk in your office that's, that's, that's hanging out at 70 degrees. You're not going to get as accurate results. If you incubate your dip slides at 90 degrees, that bacteria is going to be happy and it's going to want to keep growing. So you're going to have more accurate results, more data for your customers to do what you need to do as an industrial water treater. It makes sense. If you have something that is at a particular temperature, you would want to incubate it at that temperature so you can duplicate where you took the sample from. It makes perfect sense. And for fun, uh, I encourage you, whether you're using dip slides or what, what's the new, the new method that we just talked about? The new method is plate count. Play count. Okay. Okay. So not a new method, just just a, a new to us method. Gotcha. It's just a new. It's a new product. Yeah. And we call it the TTC model. Product. Okay. So with that, uh, whatever you're using, store it in some different areas and do some comparisons. We actually did that here to let people know how important it was to incubate those at a particular temperature, and you will see you will get different growth at different temperatures. So if you don't believe Landon, if you don't believe me, try it for yourself and you will be a believer. Landon, if people want to learn more about the plant count product that you have and some of the other things that you have to offer, where should they go? I'm happy to talk to you. Contact me. I'll give you my number. It's 405-612-7869. And my email is Landon, L-A-N-D-O-N dot Marcus, M-A-R-K-E-S at Fluid Maintenance Solutions, LLC.com. And you can find that also on Trace's show note page. Well, awesome. I'm sure you're going to get some calls. People are probably wondering what it is that we're talking about. Uh, I'm going to put some images of uh, what we're talking about on the show notes page so people can actually get the same visual that you and I have. So um, any last words that you want to give the Scaling Up Nation? Let's see. You know what? A common misconception I heard one time at AWT, actually, was that they were using dip slides as a way to test for Legionella. And that I told them, I was like, that, that's completely false. Do, do not use a dip slide to test for Legionella at all. You need to send that off to a lab that's a certified lab. And there are rapid tests out there, but those aren't reportable tests. So send it off to a lab that is reportable. And the only thing that I can say if that a dip slide could help you as far as Legionella is if it's completely you actually alluded to this in your in your podcast about dip slides. If it's completely saturated with bacteria, that's data. So make decisions based on what the data is, which leads to more testing. But dip slides are not a not a way to test for Legionella. 
Great point. Yeah, there's numerous shows about Legionella. Uh, if anybody out there in the Scaling Up Nation wants to learn more about that topic, just go to the show notes page and type in the word Legionella and you're going to find a bunch of information. But I want to thank you for the information that you shared with us today. I love that you're taking a potential issue and you're trying to engineer all the issues out of it. So thank you for trying to make our job just a little bit easier, maybe even a little bit faster when we're out in the field. I thank you very much, Trace, and I'm happy to be here and spread the word. Well, Landon, once again, thank you for coming on Scaling Up H2O. And Nation, if you want to find out about more of the products that Landon was speaking of, don't worry. We got them all on our show notes page. We got a link to where you need to go. So just go to scalinguph2o.com. We will send you exactly where you need to go to learn more. Nation, as you know, we are working with friend of show, James McDonald. James is always challenging us to think about something a little bit differently. How are we going to get a little bit better one week at a time? So here's our next installment on Thinking on Water with James. Welcome to Thinking on Water with James, the segment where we don't give you the answers, we give you the topics and questions for you to think about, drop by drop. Now let's get to it. In this week's episode, we're thinking about how much water flashes off a hot water sample from a boiler. Ideally, a sample cooler would be used to collect a boiler water sample, but why? What is lost as the hot water sample changes from the pressure of the boiler to atmospheric pressure? How much water is actually flashing off and is it enough to affect your test results? Is there anything else flashing off the sample besides water? What are the safety concerns? Take this week to think about the impact of taking a hot water sample from a boiler versus a cooled sample. Be sure to follow hashtag TOW22 and hashtag ScalingUpH2O to share your thoughts on each week's thinking on water. I'm James McDonald, and I look forward to learning more from you. Nation, it's my hope we always give you a lot to think about here on the Scaling Up H2O podcast. And when you're thinking about new things, you're doing new things. When you're doing new things, you are forcing yourself to get better. And when you get better, it means you're not staying stagnant. And that means you're not bored. Folks, don't be bored in this job. If you ever find yourself being bored as a professional water treater, I promise you are not doing it right. Push yourself. Get the instruction manual out for whatever you're doing and learn more about what you're doing and why it works. What are some of the issues with it? If you run the same test over and over and over again and you are just bored with it, how can you change it to get different information? What are some of the interferences with it? How can you change the drop count? What happens if you get an interference? How do you get that out? What happens if you don't take the test within a certain window? What does that mean? There is so much to learn about each and every component of everything we do in our job. The problem is we get bored with the procedure and we don't bother to learn more. Trust me, it is fun to learn more and you learn more when you learn more. 
Yeah, I just said that, didn't I? Folks, I hope you are reaching out to the next step because I promise you there is just so much in this industry to learn, and I don't think there is anybody that will ever learn everything. Nation, I hope you have learned that each and every Friday, we're going to have a brand new episode for you of Scaling Up H2O. I can't wait to bring that to you next week. And I hope you have a great week in the meantime. Take care of each other. See you next Friday. Nation, the mastermind is wildly successful. And the only thing missing is you. Go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash mastermind to see if this is the group that you have been waiting for and the group that can push you to your next level of success.